Hello, and welcome back to Throw Down, an action cinema podcast where we take you through every decade and every corner of the world of action cinema. I'm Vaughn, and I am here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you doing today? Hi, everybody. I'm good, Vaughn. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Jumping back into some more Japanuary this week on Throwdown. Yes. What film are we talking about today, then, Vaughn? This is your pick. A pick that, that you also introduced to me initially. Um, yeah, so it's kind of is... like a back and forth <laughs> it now. Is. I keep throwing it back. Hot potato. It's great. But this is Roaring Fire, directed by Norifumi Suzuki from 1982. Um, how did you first come across this? I'm curious. I, I, I actually can't remember at this point. I think I was probably going through a list, just as I do on Letterboxd, just so many different lists of different types of genres and different movies and i just kind of go through and grab a poster and see what that's about and see if it's available to me and i saw that at a pretty positive rating and a pretty decent um rating from people i follow and sort of trust in this (laughs) realm of action cinema as well um so gave it a watch and there was so much going on in that movie that i had to sort of recommend it to other people and just be like more people should see this just for how much movie is crammed into this movie it's a lot it is for a a 90 minute movie it is crammed full of of action and like references to other action cinema and just like all kinds of stuff it's kind of a crazy twisted crime thriller narrative and you've got tons of awesome characters, and it is it is a blast. It is a ton of fun. Um, I was definitely drawn to the, the top credited actors, of course, being yeah. Hiroyuki Sanade, which I've never really seen like his early stuff. I came to him more of a, like a, a later figure in like more Hollywood mainstream sort of cinema. Yeah, definitely. Like um, just even things like the Wolverine and like Rush Hour <laughs> right. 3 I was seeing him in, but to see him like in his humble beginnings in a, a sort of raucous action movie from Japan. And then you have Sonny Chiba build as yeah. this like supporting character. So that was a, a definitely a major draw to me. And then rewatching it today, I can see exactly why. Like Hiroyuki Sanade is such a charismatic sort of leading figure um, who also has the athleticism and, and build yeah. of a like an international action star. And then Sonny Chiba is playing this very interesting um, <laughs> <Magician>. secondary <laughs> uh, ventriloquist magician. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fantastic pair-up. But yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I first kind of... I mean, I was obviously aware of Sonata's work, but I think last year um Mm -hmm. starting with seeing john wick 4 and he plays um koji who is the the manager Mm -hmm. of the osaka continental in john wick 4 and watching that and just being like his performance and the action sequences that he's a part of are just so outstanding and going i should check out more of his work and then i went back and watched a lot of his earlier stuff and i'll kind of circle back around i'll recommend a few of my favorites this sounds um, good at the end of the episode um but yeah he's he's so fantastic and so this is directed by norafumi suzuki are you familiar with any of of his other work at all uh only one only because uh justin from the important cinema club podcast played it on his 24 hour mind melter either last summer i think i think it was last summer Um, and that might have been in the early hours of the morn so my memories of the movie itself (laughs) are quite fuzzy but it was kataro an an audacious karate boy which is a a fantastic title but more of a more of a deeper cut than this one 
Um, and I, I can't say I remember over too much about that <laughs> after probably being at like 3 a.m. Um, Definitely, uh, yeah. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Kotaro. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a strange one. There's some good stuff in there, but I think it's it's mostly a little bit of a kind of juvenile, like, school child. Like, yeah, kind of slightly perverted hijinks, and it was just kind of yeah. like, I don't really know if I'm into this. <laughs> um, looking at his, his career, it kind of makes sense. I think he's mostly known for his um, pink films. Um, okay. is kind of what his his career mostly consists of but it's a lot of stuff that is kind of combines that that sleazier pink film stuff with kind of crazy uh hardcore action mm-hmm. um so it's definitely he definitely has that in there so i'm it's interesting when he goes for this this is much more straight on action although you can see there's there's some shades throughout of some of the other stuff he's done yeah there's some sort of like local dramas and there are like strings of very strange comic comedic bits in this as well there are little like beats that are just um seemingly not not out of place but they catch you off guard a bit just because the the film itself is not a comedy but there are just a couple of moments of like brevity or levity even yeah so this is the the kind of beginning of the film is it open cold opens with this absolutely brutal murder and it's kind of confusing at first because you know that if you're going in expecting Hiroyuki Sonata to be the main character and then he gets brutally murdered in the opening scene and it's <laughs> you're kind of like what exactly is going on here he is just he's pumped full of bullets by a bunch of gang members and then it hard cuts to Texas where <laughs> suddenly again Hiroyuki Sonata yep. is alive and is a cowboy on a Texas ranch it's um, classic. It's a classic. Cast one man as two brothers. That's why exactly. it's twin brothers. It's a classic. <laughs> we love it. But yeah, absolutely riddled with bullets in that first sequence. Just squibs galore popping off this poor man's yeah, body. I, not even, not even like sixty <laughs> seconds into the film. It's I guess I had forgotten opening. about that that opening scene, and I was I was shocked by it all over again. I was like, oh man, this mm-hmm. is it's it's pretty brutal. Um, but then you go to to Texas, where you've got the second Sonata. And he is there in this Texas ranch and his father is dying. And on his deathbed, his father lets him know that I am not actually your father. <laughs> I kidnapped you. To do. It's, it's, it's crazy. He says, it's I crazy. kidnapped you as a child and I've raised <laughs> you in Texas your whole life. Um, you, your, your parent, your real parents recently died in a plane crash. Your twin <laughs> brother is now missing. And, and, uh, <laughs> and you got, you've got a sister too, why not? And you've got a sister too. <laughs> so he finds out that, okay, I've got this twin brother back in Japan. And so then he goes back home to figure out what is going on with his, his family. Uh, mm-hmm. He meets his, his sister. Well, I guess first he has this very, I, this, this was the most sequence that most reminded me of Kotaro, where he shows up mm. at the, the swimming pool and there's a bunch of hijinks and antics there. Yeah, um, with the uh, with the local girls at the pool, and it's just, and then he gets into a got, fight with uh, Spartacus. <laughs> the, we're uh, completely we're completely jumping over the fact that he's got a pet monkey called. Oh, he Peter, does he so. does have a pet monkey, <laughs> which called is Peter. very much involved in the sort of bikini swimming pool antics, as you can imagine. Use your imagination there. Um, but then we are indeed introduced to Spartacus, which I did not remember Spartacus it being. In I this didn't movie, either, which is um, which is fantastic. But so I, I looked him up out of curiosity, as did I. Yeah, so you see, you see a 
man like Spartacus in a in a movie with predominantly Japanese actors, and you go, who is yes. this man? What is his deal? Yeah, an absolutely massive um, black guy who was a a former wrestler, a Canadian wrestler who was known as Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah, and he was well known for his very violent uh, wrestling style, and he's got a very distinct look because he's got these large divots in his on the top mm-hmm. of his head. And uh, apparently that was from cutting himself to bleed during wrestling matches. Yeah. And he did it so, so much that he's got these permanent giant scars on his head. So you know you're a good wrestler if you've bled that much <laughs> for your art. It's you know. crazy. But yeah, he, he's introduced sort of as a, an antagonist. And by the end of the movie, he is this almost, almost like sort of assailant <laughs> to our, our main character there. He pops in at the end to sort of help along. Yeah, they, they end up becoming friends, which is a, a great arc for those two, uh, and he mm-hmm. ends up helping him out. Um, but then, so after that kind of, those silly antics there, he goes and finally meets his, his family and his sister, who is blind, but very mm-hmm. adept uh, and at protecting herself, because her uh, she's learned martial arts to defend yes, herself. Yes, as a... As a as a sort of as the fallout of her blindness, she yeah. taught herself or was, was taught martial arts to help better defend herself and navigate the world around her, which I thought was a nice touch. And then that comes to fruition later, where she is taking people down left and yes. right <laughs> in a quite and a quite astonishing sequence. So he meets his his uncle is the surviving older family member um, because his parents have died in a plane crash, and. He soon discovers that his uncle is actually is actually a Nazi who wants to steal the family's diamond uh, for his own nefarious purposes. I'd say the first thirty minutes or so, it's quite a long wind up. It's quite a long sort of build up to get where yeah. we need to be. It's I, I I didn't remember it being so needlessly convoluted on first watch, but just sort of the different elements of him finding his family, finding more about his family, finding out his na- his family are involved in na- Nazism. Yeah, that completely threw me off guard. But it makes for such like a almost comedic foil of a villain, just to be like, yeah, we're against the Nazis now. That means we're gonna win. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very it's it's comical because it is such a very silly movie in the way that it opens and you've got these very silly sequences where they're playing in the pool and they're all goofing off and the music is very mm-hmm. whimsical. You meet um I think it's before that that you meet um Sunny Chiba the magician, <laughs> the and, ventriloquist magician. <laughs> and then when you get this out of nowhere seemingly, you get this sequence where his uncle is sitting in front of a portrait of Hitler and yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about his evil plans and you're like oh this guy is just comically evil just because yeah, you know yeah, yeah. there's there is no question here that he is the enemy and uh, you're going to take him down by the end of the film so he is after the the diamond that has been lost um, but is the family's kind of heir, heirloom 130 carat diamond called the queen of sheba yes the translation there but yeah it's quite a long setup it's a bit of a slow burn to get to the roaring fire of the roaring fire um, but from that mark on there, I think it just it just goes. Like, we have those first initial action sequences of, like, the Nazi boxer and goons being sicked on our, on our, on our man there. And he's just taking them down with, with ease in these little, almost like dungeonous, um, like, room, like, little chamber 
flipping and back flipping and side yeah. flipping off the walls as he goes up against like a guy with a uh, like a pole and a guy with a knife it's oh. yeah just, then it just becomes a, a series of escalating action sequences and that's where mm-hmm. it obviously is is really shines through is the action is just really outstanding because yeah you he comes up against a, a boxer and the uh, the swordsman and everyone's trying to fight him after they've captured him as kind of like entertainment, but they're also trying to kill him um, mm-hmm. because they're watching these matches. But he ends up beating everybody and escaping, and then it kind of becomes this chase through the streets, which I think is what I really love about the action in this film is it's very um, like architecturally designed. It really uses the environment of the kind of streets of the city Mm -hmm. and it's he's always using it to his advantage and moving through these spaces in interesting and unique ways to to kind of leverage his position because he's he's never really aside from a couple of specific moments it's never really one-on-one he's almost always up against five six seven like gang members or ninjas or whatever it is yeah it's always an ensemble always an ensemble that he's trying to take down or yeah. they're trying to take down him yeah so he's always like leveraging these these spaces that he's moving through and it makes for really interesting and unique action sequences because you're it's not really necessarily just about the the kind of one-on-one hand-to-hand combat of it but just kind of how he can leverage those spaces and make the most out of them yeah it's like the maru- maru- maneuverability maneuverability wow i can't talk today but um reminds me a lot of the lucky stars movies with jackie chan and samo Hung, okay yeah. where they'll, they'll be faced off in a like a, a street corner somewhere and have to traverse um just using their like local geography just flipping off of things and moving past things and using items as weapons and things like that not necessarily as um structured as those movies but there is a, a, yeah. a sort of comparison point to make there yeah, it's, it's interesting because it becomes very three-dimensional. It's not just running down the street. It's, you know, how can I move up and across and down and, you know, mm-hmm. really making use of, of every inch of these spaces. And, of course, it's, you know, 1980s Tokyo and Hong Kong where they moved to later. And it's like these these great areas where you've got just, like, so much going on in the, these urban spaces where you can get the most out of that that three-dimensional aspect of it and it's all like peppered behind this it's quite jovial and like light-hearted soundtrack which i thought was quite like, yeah. an interesting choice because you could so easily recut this movie and give it a more sort of uh, not serious soundtrack but a more like apt 80s soundtrack like i think of the Sonny Chiba films of the late 70s and into the 80s where they've got like proper funk like waka chika waka chika waka yeah. chika guitar loops that are like synonymous with black exploitation and exploitation of this nature um but this film is very like jovial and scored in such like a, a, a nice contemporary manner but it does move into like some really funky slap bass yeah. towards the end the end climax there but i think it's a very interesting stylistic choice to have a soundtrack that doesn't necessarily highlight the 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 seriousness of the action or the the creativity of the action it just almost plays it naturally yeah it is it does seem like a bit of a contrast to the stuff the film is playing because obviously the villain is a nazi and there's people after him (laughs) and they're trying to to kill him and his sister but you've also got this very funky soundtrack that keeps it kind of just the right level of light where it's it doesn't Mm -hmm. ever feel like the stakes are are that high i mean obviously serious stuff is happening but it makes it easy to watch it's very light and breezy and you just kind of get to enjoy these action sequences for what they are 
it doesn't necessarily feel feel like the tale of a man whose twin brother has just been murdered right. he's, like, <laughs> on the case it feels like just like a jolly adventure just going through the motions here out of it i think because yeah these these action sequences really are fantastic and when you bring in you got like Hiroyuki Sonata is such an, a genuinely outstanding martial artist and stuntsman, and the stuff that he pulls off, like, it almost ends up, you know, in the second half feeling kind of like a police story where you've just got these kind of escalating stunts and action sequences where you've just got constantly things are happening and you're moving through these spaces and then you introduce um, Sonny Chiba as also, you know, this action character and he gets to execute his kind of Street Fighter style action where he's very brutal and hard-hitting where sonata is much more fast and and lithe with his action it's an interesting contrast yeah they both have like dissimilar sort of fighting styles but both um utilize their long legs and these karate kicks in such sort of weaponized manners yeah like they'll they'll throw their legs up so high and then like on the as they bring their leg down the heel is the the point of impact and it's such like a a dominating power move it's such a a visually interesting fighting style i think no definitely i yeah it's very unique and very distinct um and it definitely fully utilizes these two guys um physicality for for what it possibly can and you get these these street sequences and then you get a lot of stuff that's uh, kind of confined interiors too where mm. they have to really get the use out of these small spaces that fan there's a really really good um bus sequence the fighting inside and then on top of the bus yeah. towards the latter stages of the film which is just just absolutely fantastic stuff like yeah that's absolutely my my favorite sequence is that that very final act there where they go to hong kong and you are just getting so much cool stuff out of this sequence and yeah they are in the streets and he's running away from all of these guys and then his final escape is to hop into a double-decker bus and so there's a fight on the bottom of the bus and then he goes up to the top of the bus <laughs> and then he crawls out of the window and on top of on it to, yeah. and then he hangs on you know one of the overhanging neon signs jumps onto mm -hmm. a different bus it's just like there's so <laughs> much great action that is happening in these spaces that you don't even necessarily consider these kinds of things to be happening in. it really utilizes that stuff yeah the first time i watched this film my letterbox review was a list of films it reminded me of or something like that and i put shang chi just because of like the best part i think of that shang chi um movie was like like i don't know three three sequences inside a bus <laughs> oh um, they were great, i think yeah. that's like the most sort of physical and grounded the action in that movie becomes yeah. but then you you compare it to what's going on here and that bus sequence isn't even even isn't even the most climactic part of the movie like it keeps going right. on from there and there's more fighting and there's more just incredible stunt work as well the amount of actors just diving from buses and cars and taking really sort of nasty looking falls into water and it's really really well choreographed it's yeah it's pretty amazing because i mean he jumps off the one bus and is hanging just dangling free from a sign you know it's like i don't know if there's really any way that you can do that safely <laughs> because <laughs> there's not like any wire or anything he's attached to you know it's just shot in one sequence and then that second bus drives underneath and he lands right on top of it i liked i was kind of trying to to look at how they might have achieved that and i can kind of see the driver of the the second bus down there trying to kind of make sure that he's paying attention to exactly just the timing and it's just crazy absolutely that ridiculous they do nothing will like ever that. 
nothing will ever look like this again. No, no. no. <laughs> this will never be cleared by the onset sort of um, medic people or whoever's in charge of safety. Like, this right. will never happen. <laughs> but then, as you said, like that's not even you know the climax of the film. It's like you've got mm-hmm. this incredible sequence that's like so memorable, but it's not even the end. Then you get this crazy showdown where he's finally back up against uh, his uncle and mm-hmm. there's like this crazy kind of collection of different vehicles and things happening. He's riding a horse there in a jeep. There's a <laughs> helicopter up above them and yeah. that's when you get this this really crazy final sequence. He gets off of the horse. He jumps onto the jeep. There's like <laughs> people stabbing their, their swords out of the jeep and he's rolling around <laughs> avoiding them and then... Uh, He's, there's a sequence where he's running through the sand and there's just grenades exploding all around it's, him. It's absolutely it's wild. Yeah. Pretty astonishing the the series of things that happen within like 15 minutes here. Mm-hmm. They definitely like load the whole sort of uh, film into the the back half for me. That first 30 minutes of setup feels very warranted and sort of justified by the yeah. end point. You feel like um, there's. <laughs> Hi Ripley. Um... <laughs> you feel like we've been building to something we don't necessarily pepper yeah. in the action sequences periodically like you would in a in a, in a police story or something like right. that it is very backloaded but um it's such an impressive set of action sequences by the end you can't help but commend the the team here and i love the the way he takes out the the helicopter in that sequence is that he throws a hatchet at the fuel tank and it explodes just absolutely it's ridiculous. just like absolutely crazy way to like just the idea of how do we take out this helicopter and that's the the solution that you come up with for the uh for the film's climactic moments is mm-hmm. just phenomenal um, uh, and then his uncle gets his eyes popped out as yeah, well. Fulci style death. That's great. Yeah, Fulci style. It's a classic Sonny Cheever style move as well. Just to have like just eyes popping out of skulls out of the back of the head from yeah. a swift kick. Well, and yeah, I love that. that final, I love that that final scene is like he's he's murdered with the diamond. He's he's finally mm-hmm. like at the end of the movie and he's got the diamond in his hand and he's. And then he just smashes it through his eye, which is a, a pretty phenomenal way to end it. And he doesn't even, at that point, care about the diamond. It just kind of falls. It just falls with him into the ocean, and it's kind of gone forever. I think kind of, at that point, it's like, what what matters anymore? Because at that point, his, uh, his sister has been killed. Exactly, yeah. It's a beautiful MacGuffin to get to that point right. of the movie. But he didn't really have that much of an interest in no. it. It was more stopping the other guy from really attaining it. yeah from stopping him from smuggling drugs in bananas which was yeah, an interesting there are a couple device. of threads there are a couple of threads in here that don't necessarily weave together seamlessly but i enjoy that that there i don't understand really why sonny chiba is a magician ventriloquist but i don't like that he either. is why well, it not? gives I you like to have <laughs> it gives you the fantastic final moment of he comes in and arrests sonata's character and then magically uh, undoes his handcuffs with a little magic trick. <laughs> and then the film ends with Sonata jumping out of the helicopter into the water. Mm-hmm. Which is like, I don't know if any of that was necessary, but it's a exactly. great way to end a movie. So yeah, it feels like a combination of different elements. It's trying to do a lot with um, what it's got. It's trying to be sort of this hard-hitting, gritty action film that's also light and cheeky and... 
um, almost like a sex comedy at parts, but it's also a, a brooding familial drama, but it's also this espionage crime syndicate against the Nazis, but it's also this, there's a lot going on in here, but by the end of it, I think I, I look back on it fondly and appreciate the different elements Definitely. that it does so well. Yeah, it, it blends so many different things together, and like you said, like you can watch this and you will just see shades of so many other action movies within it but mm -hmm. it's kind of what makes it really fun to watch is you can just kind kind of constantly look for these these different things and appreciate the way it's been put together and the way it kind of pays tribute to all of these other styles of action and um, it really is a blend of all these different things but it works really well together at the end and these ideas that seem like they would be incongruous but come together mm -hmm. through their the funky score and the great action so could you talk more about Sanade's like wider career like his early stuff have you seen yeah. much in terms of things that people should check out I have seen quite a bit now I, I definitely did last year I did quite a dive through his filmography and there's still some stuff that I would love to see but mm -hmm. there's a lot of really interesting stuff in his early career in the uh, in the 80s and the 90s um, and so I think probably the most well-known and easily accessible of his earlier stuff would be Royal Warriors, um, Ooh, yes. yeah, yeah, which yeah. is uh, the first film in the In the Line of Duty series, which includes Yes, Madam. Um, and I think that's on the Criterion channel, if I am not I think mistaken. It should, it should still be on there, yeah. Um, but that's just a phenomenal film with some absolutely crazy sequences near the end there with a, a giant truck and just some outstanding stuff. And that's mm -hmm. also uh, Michelle Yeoh partners up with him in that one, so that's a... Uh, really fun one to watch and then if you want to see a really great star wars ripoff you can watch yeah. message from space <laughs> directed by kinji fukusaku kinji. um which is japan's response to star wars in 1978 and it is phenomenally weird but so awesome sonata plays kind of like a, a han solo character in that yeah, Sonny Chiba's in a lot of these as well. Mm -hmm. I like that they keep popping up in similar films. I definitely want to rewatch Message from Space. I, oh, yeah, it's such a cool thing to exist. It really um, is. I watched Sonny Chiba's The Executioner, the Terio Ishii movie. The oh other yeah, day, really good and as well. Was delighted to see Sonada pop up in that as a as a supporting role as well. Um, and I don't know if you were going to mention it, but I'm going to mention it now. Corey Yoon's Ninja in yep. the Dragon's Den. Yeah, my list. From the, yeah, from the same year. Just that. I was thinking about possibly doing that for our next episode, but I, I think I'll save that for another time because I, it's more of a it's more of a Hong Kong sort of production yeah. as well. But um, he has a supporting role in that with Huang Zhong Li and Conan Lee, and it's just ah, oh, there is no sort of Corey Yoon movie quite like Ninja in the Dragon's Den. No, it's it's really great. Um, so that's kind of like the best of his action stuff, but he's also got some really fun dramas in the mix. Um, okay. Two of my favorite discoveries from last year. Um, were directed by this guy Makoto Wada and he only made three films one of them has no accessible uh, English subtitle so I haven't watched it yet but mm. uh, the other two Kaito Ruby and Roundabout Midnight are just absolutely outstanding films really phenomenal he stars in both of them and they are both very worth watching um, Roundabout Midnight is kind of this jazzy midnight like crime thriller kind of thing where he is on the run from some guys and it's more just about him and uh, Michelle Rice uh, escaping these criminals and it's just kind of all like jazz and hangouts and that it's very great. cool and very fun and then Kaito Ruby is like this kind of whimsical romance 
Um, mm. And it's very silly and very fun. Highly recommend both of those. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a great actor. I think everyone should check out more of his work. He's um, getting more popular in the West again. Still, um, he's popping up in all sorts. As we said, John Wick Four. He is absolutely fantastic in. He's in yeah. Bullet Train, which I, I, I quite enjoyed. And of course, Minions. He was in Minions <laughs> in 2015 in a role I absolutely do not remember. I definitely but I'm glad don't that remember that happens. That <laughs> but yeah, it'd be cool to see him get more. I don't know. I think after I, I keep saying this after every time we mention John Wick Four, but I'd like to think that John Wick Four was such a, an international, uh, global success yeah. that every every single sort of um, part player in that is going to have a more lucrative career from now on. But. I'd like to say we can see Sonata in some more like killer action stuff going forward. I hope forward. so. And he's I, also, I really hope so. Yeah. He's also a Scorpion in the new Mortal Kombat yes, movies. Yes, in the Mortal and, Kombat and movies, the, uh, yeah. The Scorpion and Sub-Zero fight is maybe the only good thing about that first movie. So sure. Hopefully, he is, <laughs> yeah. hopefully he returns for the second one and we get some more yeah. great stuff. So, um, Jack, what do you got for next week? I'm I'm excited because I have no idea. You do have no idea. This is the first time I get to unveil my <laughs> pick that Vaughn doesn't know about prior because behind the curtain we record these uh, two at a time sometimes. So, keeping up with Japanery, I'm going to suggest we watch a movie that I found last year for Japanuary. Oh, okay. I went through this director's entire filmography because he only has three directed credits, Ooh. but is a an action and fight choreographer who has worked on some films that we might have seen. Um, the director's name is Yuji Shimamura, and we will be covering 2005 Death Trance, Ooh. Um, which is a fantastic kind of like fantasy swordsman okay. um, adventure grave robber battle it is just like light and airy and like almost wuxia like okay but dark and gritty um i i can't wait to talk about it and we'll probably talk on um shimamura's wider career because he only has three features uh of which okay. i've i've seen all three i think you might have seen um one as well but if not we will we will concentrate on death trance next episode and people listening along and watching along should be able to find it on tubi if it's not available in other places all right well i'm super excited to talk about that one so we will be back next week for more japanuary and as always you can find us all around the internet letterboxd twitter blue sky anywhere you want to find us we're probably there mm -hmm. always talking about all kinds of movies and action movies um so definitely find us obviously go to the twingeeks.com for more podcasts more conversations about movies more coverage and reviews of recent releases and all that good stuff anything else before we sign off jack absolutely not that was a, a very fun movie to revisit and i'm excited for next week Vaughn. i'll see you then see you then